much that you are an awesome God and that you are stronger and you are greater and that you have the ability uh, to provide things that we never could imagine. I thank you that you are sovereign, that you are in control. And even when things seem way beyond our control, we can trust you. And thank you for the truths that we've been singing together and declaring together this morning. Father, we have the freedom this morning to open your word once again and to allow the truth of the word of God and the power of the word of God to speak to our hearts and to lift us up, to encourage us, but also to challenge us in our faith. And we ask that by your spirit you would do that to us. And we ask that whatever distractions would cause us from hearing from you this morning, that you would help us to set those aside for the next few moments and just to listen to your voice. We'll praise you for what you say and, and how you speak and how you encourage us in our faith this morning. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks. You can have a seat. We are so glad that you have joined us this morning. Uh, if you did not grab one of the uh, covenant cards or the partnership cards and you want one, uh, there are some right back um, at the back and you can grab one of those if you, if you do need one. Um, and we'll be chatting about that as I wrap up this morning. We are still continuing on with the whole story, and we are in the book of Hebrews today, and uh, we're going to spend a few moments uh, kind of doing like we've been doing, uh, picking one topic to speak about from, from a book, and the book of Hebrews really is one of those books that you could spend a long time, like we're talking years in, and it's difficult uh, to choose just one topic um, to spend time and and uh, break that whole book apart with one topic is really difficult to do. But we're going to work at it this morning. We'll do the best we can. Hebrews was written uh, as an encouragement. Let me see if I can. This thing's floating. John, you warned me that it was floating all over the place, and it is. So uh, it was written as an encouragement uh, to continue on in your faith, uh, kind of the idea of don't give up. There's a tendency for us, and, and the writer of the book of Hebrews was uh, speaking to, to a Jewish audience, we believe, to a Hebrew audience, and there's, there was a tendency for these Jewish folks who had come to know Jesus Christ to slide back into their old system of worship, their old system of, of uh, sacrifices and coming before God and worshiping. And really, the same thing happens to us. There's we come to faith, and maybe for you, you came to faith a long time ago, and you've been walking with God for a long time. Maybe for you, it's relatively uh, been relatively soon. It, it didn't happen that long ago that you came to faith, or or maybe you were introduced to Jesus Christ, but but it's really come alive in you in the last little while. It's something that hasn't been a constant part of your life, and it's very easy for us when we start walking with God, we start living for God, to have this shift that happens where, where we're walking with God, we're doing the things that we, we know we ought to do, and then kind of life happens. Does life ever happen to you? Yeah, life happens, and we start um, to drift. We start to realize that, wow, what I was doing with God, the truths that were, were affecting my life, they were changing me, and, and I was doing so well, 
and then I realize that I haven't really thought about it in a long time. Or even worse, I realize that I slid back to the way that I was living and I am kind of living that way completely again. And the writer of Hebrews writes, and he's telling them, hey, we need, we need to pay close attention uh, to how we live our life and we need to stay close to the truth and we need the truth to have its part in us and to play its part in us the way that it should. And so the, the writer here is going to remind them of who they are in Christ and the part um, that the Spirit plays in Christ and living with Christ. Really, all of us have that same struggle, and so this book of Hebrews is good for all of us. We're not really sure who the author is. There's, there's arguments back and forth about who it is. I'm not going to get into that this morning. There are people far more intelligent than I am, who have spent a lot of time figuring that out, and uh, I'm not going to spend time on that. We just know that the truth of the Word of God speaks to our heart, and the truth that's in the book of Hebrew also needs to speak to us. It was written somewhere around 70, and we know that because the Jewish sacrificial system was still in place, and that ended under the emperor Titus around AD 70. So we know that it was written prior to that. And we know that it was written really specifically to this group of Hebrew people. We know this about the book of Hebrews, that it's one of the most heavily, heavily doctrinal books in the Bible. Romans really is only greater than the book of Hebrews. And so that's why I said we could spend years talking about the doctrinal issues that are found within the book of Romans. For me, when I start reading the book of Romans, it reminds me of Genesis and John in its feel. And let me tell you why I say that. Uh, let me start. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1. I'm really struggling with this mic. It's, it's giving me a hard time. Is it, is it hard to hear out there or is it just me? Okay, I'll be fine. I'll, I'll, give a, I'll stop fighting it. Okay, Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 through say, uh, 3 say this. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and in different ways. And in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. God has appointed Him heir over all things and made the universe through Him. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of His nature, sustaining all things by His power, His powerful Word. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. It reminds me of Genesis, right? In the beginning, uh, I mean, John 1 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and all things were created through Him. And apart from Him, not one thing was created that was created. That idea of Jesus being first and supreme and, and the one who is over all things, Genesis says this. That, that, that God created in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. And we know that God there, it's the whole Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, working together. And when I read the beginning of Hebrews, that's the sense that I get. I get this sense of here's God in His greatness, the supreme ruler, the supreme being, who looks at the work of Jesus Christ and all that He's done on our behalf, all that He's done for us, and He's looking at what Jesus did and He's saying, look, you've got to follow, you've got to bow, you've got to give yourself wholly over to Him. He is it. The radiance of God's glory is found in Jesus Christ. If that doesn't excite you, 
go back to bed, get back up, let's start again, okay? Because that beginning of this passage is saying, look, everything that you need and everything that you are is wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ, in who he is and what he's done for us. It's all about Jesus. It's all about who he is. Hebrews 3, 1 puts it this way, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confection. The NLT says it this way, think carefully about Jesus. I love those, consider or think carefully. What the writer is saying here is, look, first and foremost, supreme, number one overall, is who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And often in our religiosity, I made up a word, maybe that's a word, I'm not sure, but in our living out our religion or our faith or our, our spiritual doctrines, we get caught up in all of the, all the little minute details. And often when we do that, we forget the supreme, the number one, the most important, which is, you say it, Jesus. You say, Tim, that's a Sunday school answer. Yeah, but it's the right one because it's about Jesus. And if you remember, we talked about this last week, the whole thing that we get off mission, right? We lose focus and we get off mission. And the mission that we've been given as believers is this, that we would give away who? Jesus. Jesus. And so this morning, I want to talk to you through this book, and I want you to understand the importance of who Jesus is, what he did on our behalf. It's amazing the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. It's amazing what Jesus is doing right now for us as believers. It's incredible. And we're going to look briefly at that. We don't have time this morning to look at all of it, but we're going to look at at it briefly, and I want you to do what chapter 3, verse 1 says. It says, look, I want you to share in the heavenly calling, consider or think carefully about Jesus this morning. If you get lost this morning in what I'm saying, get lost in who Jesus is and spend the morning there. If you will focus your attention on the person of Jesus Christ, then you will walk away from here having what Scripture wants you to have. It's a relationship that is personal, that is intimate with the person of Jesus Christ. And if you really have that relationship, it will change your life. And when I say it will change your life, I don't just mean that there's one moment where a light comes on and now you've got it. What I mean is this, it changes every aspect of your life. It changes how you get up in the morning. It changes how you deal with your spouse. It changes how you deal with your kids. It changes how you live life with your coworkers. It changes how you live life in your private life when nobody else is watching, nobody else sees you, nobody knows what you're thinking about. It changes every aspect of your life. Life if you truly consider and think carefully about Jesus. And that's what this author wants us to understand. That's one of the parts of this book that is so important. Is you need to consider deeply who Jesus is. This book, as we go through it, it reminds us not to give up. It reminds us of the covenants of God. But I want to focus on 
the role that Jesus fulfills. Number one, the first thought that I want to give you and focus on this morning is this role, that Jesus the high priest has access to the Father. It's not that we have someone who is a go-between and may or may not get into the presence of God. We have a high priest found in Jesus Christ who has complete access to the Father. He is a member of of the Godhead, and He belongs there. See, whether you know it or not, our biggest problem in life is our relationship with the Father. We cannot fix that relationship on our own. We need someone else who has access to the Father to be our substitute and our advocate, who stands before the Father on our behalf and presents our case to the Father. We cannot get there. The Father is holy. He is just. He is complete. And we come from a sinful background, from a, a sinful attitude, from a sinful heart. And we don't have the right to stand before the Father. And the one who created us, the Father, the one who created us, is the one that we need to get access to. And we need that relationship between us and Him to be mended. We need it to be fixed. And we can't do it on our own. There is nothing on our own in in and of ourselves that we have the ability to do to fix that relationship. But there is one who does have access. There is one who has the right to be in the Father's presence. And what is wonderful about Jesus Christ is not only does he have the right, but he's willing to go for you and for me. He knows you. He knows me intimately. He knows what's going on in our hearts. And yet he's willing. He's willing to take our case to the Father. I think about this often. I don't know about you, but I know who I am some of the time. I know what goes on in my heart. I know what goes on in my mind. I know the battle that I fight. And I don't have a right to be in God's presence. And so when Jesus Christ goes on my behalf, I am so thankful. Because I can't get there by myself. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 says it this way. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. That verse is telling us this, that Jesus Christ, he... He didn't just come to the earth and got stuck here. It's telling us, look, Jesus Christ came, lived a perfect life, and he passed through that back into the glory. And it's going to tell us, actually, in in chapter 1, the verses I read said this, that, that Jesus Christ came and did his work, and he finished the work, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. He has access to the Father. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Jesus Christ, the high priest, has access to the Father all the time. They're together. If you read the prayer of of Jesus in John chapter 17, one of my favorite passages, Jesus is talking about their relationship and how together their relationship is and how he longs for believers to experience the oneness and the, and the unity that God the Father and God the Son have, that they would know what that is and what it's like 
and what it feels like. Why? Because Jesus Christ has complete access into the presence of the Father. Thought number two that I want to give you about this is this. Our high priest has completed his work. He's done. He's finished the work. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 and 2 say it this way. Now the main point of what is being said is this. We have this kind of a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and the true tabernacle that was set up by the Lord and not by man. In other words, he went into the presence of God and he finished the work that a high priest had to do. I started reading this verse a minute ago in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, and we read it at the beginning. But I want to read it again. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of His nature, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. After making purification for sin, catch this, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And you say, Tim, why do you keep saying that? Here's why. Because in the Old Testament system, the high priest or the priest would go in, he would make a sacrifice for sin, but he couldn't sit down, he couldn't finish the work. He would go back out after doing the sacrifice. And guess what? Before he finished the sacrifice, people had sinned again. And another sacrifice was needed. Before you and I complete, uh, complete the, the, before, before the high priest could complete the work, you and I, if we were there, we were the people who sinned. And the work was incomplete. It wasn't done. And you'll notice in the Old Testament that over and over and over the high priest had to go back in and offer sacrifice for sin. Then there was a cost to that, right? There was the work that the priest had to do, but there was a cost. There was an animal that gave its life as a representation of a payment for sin. Now, they didn't pay the price, but it represented what was going to happen, that Christ would pay the price for sin. And so all the way through the Old Testament, we have a high priest who works and works and works and works, and it's never done. And then Jesus Christ comes along. And because he's perfect and because he's holy, he becomes the sacrifice for our sin. And he goes and he pays on the cross the price for your sin and for my sin. And God looks at the payment because he was perfect. He was the holy, perfect Lamb of God. And God, the Father, looks at the payment of sin. And he says, that is enough. That is it. It's complete. And when Jesus died on the cross for your sin and for my sin, and after three days, he rose again from the grave, and we celebrate that with Easter, He didn't stop there. He went back into the presence of God the Father and he sat down. And when he sat down, he said, my work is done. I've done it. And God the Father said, yes, payment done, complete. So Jesus Christ has access to the Father because of who he is. But he also completed the work on the cross for you and for me. And that's why I'm excited about Jesus Christ. That's why you, if you're a believer, should be excited about Jesus Christ. Because what he did for you is over. It's done. You don't have to keep working at it. You can't. You're not good enough. I'm not good enough. He did. He already did it for us. And the work that needed to happen is complete. It is finished. It's over. 
So we have a high priest who has access to the Father. We have a high priest who has completed his work. And third thought that I want you to get this is we have access to the high priest. Let me read this to you. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Now listen, catch this. Here it is. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. Look, not only can Jesus go before the Father, not only does he have access, not only has he finished his work, but we have a high priest who, because he did what he did, gives us access to the Father. Guess what I said at the very beginning? Our relationship with the Father was broken. It needed to be fixed. We couldn't do it. We needed somebody to do it. And guess what? Who did it? Sunday school answer? Jesus did it. And because Jesus did it, you and I have access to the Father. You say, Tim, why are you so wound up about that? Why are you so wound up about that? Here's why. Do you ever sin? Do you ever struggle in relationships? Does life always go your way? No, you can say it. Do you feel out of control ever? Do you ever have struggles that you don't know what to do? Have you ever had a relationship where you needed extra grace in order to keep going in that relationship? Have you ever wondered what's next for your life? Where do I go? What do I do? Have you ever felt like what you're doing just isn't enough? Ever felt lost? You have direct access to God who can answer every one of those things. And actually, he promises that he will. You ever felt powerless? You ever felt that you needed someone to lift you up and help you? What I just told you about Jesus Christ and giving us access to the Father, you have the ability to go before the Father at any time of the day, night, anywhere you are. You have the ability to be in the presence of the Father because of what Jesus Christ did. He grants you access. I have people who come to me as a pastor and they say, hey, Pastor Tim, would you pray for whatever? And I say, are you praying for it? And they say, well, we'd like you to pray, which I don't mind praying for it. But here's the thing, folks. You have the same access to the Father that I have. Jesus, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, Jesus granted you that same access. We all have it. That's what Jesus Christ did for you. The the ability to come in to the very presence of God, unlike the Old Testament. Remember we said the book of Hebrews is, is the author reminding them to live as Christ followers, to live in a changed way, because in the Old Testament, they didn't have access. In the Old Testament, a priest had to go on their behalf. And through the finished work of Jesus Christ, they now have access to the Father. Our 
High Priest Jesus is available to us anytime, anywhere. Our High Priest understands every struggle. He's not surprised by our struggle. He has been victorious over our struggles, and He grants us the same ability. And what is interesting about this truth is not only do we have access, and not only through Jesus Christ is the Father available, but the great work of Jesus Christ also makes you and I a priest. You're, you're a priest. In Jesus, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, only a priest can go before the Father. And if Jesus is offering you access to the Father, guess what he's calling you? A priest. Now, let me ask you something. Did you act like a priest this week? I'm not talking. Did you act like a priest who belongs in the presence of God? Let's go there. Okay? You have access. Jesus, because of his finished work on the cross, because of what he did on our behalf, changes our relationship with the Father. And we go from someone who could not even enter the presence of the Father to someone who has direct access to the Father as a priest. Amazing. That's why I'm excited about the work of what Christ, that's why I'm excited about what Christ has done in me. Is because on a daily basis, at any time, anywhere, I get to go before the Father and I get to ask the Father what's on my heart. I get to talk to the Father through Jesus Christ. Listen to these verses in 1 Peter. This is what he calls us. He says this, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by people but chosen and honored by God, You yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his possession so that you may claim the praises of the one who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. In Revelations 5, he says it this way, You made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they will reign on the earth. That's who you become in Jesus Christ. Because of the finished work of Christ on the cross, because he rose again, because he is seated at the right end of the Father, he made all of us as believers to have complete access to the presence of God. Which means that we should come often into God's presence to keep our relationship right with him. Are you doing that? Are you doing that? Are you taking advantage of what Jesus Christ has offered you and is giving you? The author finishes up this book with two little little thoughts that I want to give you. One is this. He says this. If this is yours as a believer in Jesus Christ, then hold fast to it. Hold on to it. Don't let go. Don't give up. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says it this way. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. Let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting the gathering together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other, and all the more as you see the day approaching. He says this, look, believers, if this is true, 
If this is who you are in Jesus Christ, then hold on to it. Hold fast. Don't give up. And often in our lives and as we work through our lives, we get distracted by life. We get wrapped up in other things and we let go of the one thing that keeps us true and keeps us on course and that's the person of Jesus Christ. He doesn't let go of us. We get distracted by it. We get turned the other way. The encouragement here is this. Look, hold on. Keep going. And then he says it this way. Each other. You provoke one another to keep going. You you know that word? It's the two kids in the back seat, right? And they're poking each other. And you're like, look, if you don't, I'm going to stop in the car. That's the idea. Provoke. It means this, that you look each other as believers and you say, keep on. Keep on. I'm going to keep poking you to keep on. Are you doing that with one another? Are you poking each other to keep going? Hold fast. And then he says, keep on. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he says it this way. Therefore, since we have such a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside the hindrance of sin that would ensnare us, and let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. What he's saying is this. Hold fast to the confession of the faith that you have And then keep on running toward Jesus. Hold fast to the truth of who Jesus is and run for all you've got toward Jesus. Some of us are holding fast and we're not moving a muscle. We're not going anywhere near what Jesus has asked of us when he's talking us to run that race. It means to live out our faith with all the people that are around us. And we're holding on, and it's like we've got this knot, and if we, if we move at all, we're falling off, we're done. And what he's saying here is this, hold, hold on to the truth and run toward the end. Run toward the finish line for all you've got. Does it feel like things are coming to a close here in this world to you? Does it feel like stuff is kind of weird and it's out of, does it, out of whack? Does it to you? It does to me. And that doesn't mean that I, I huddle up and I, I insulate myself and I, and I find a hole and I crawl in it, even though I would like to at times. That's not what it means. It means I run toward Jesus all the harder. And I give away Jesus to the best of my ability to everybody that I run into. And really, folks, that's what our partnership is all about. Our partnership is about living out our faith together as a group of believers. It's exactly what we're talking about. It's that we're so excited about what Jesus has done for us. We're so excited about the access that we're offered to the Father through Jesus Christ. We're so excited about the life that we get to live because of Jesus Christ. We're holding on to the confession of our faith that it's Jesus and only Jesus that gets us to heaven. We're holding on for all we've got and we're running to Jesus and we're doing it together. That's what the partnership's about. We're on mission together. We're partnering together. We're giving together. We're using our gifts together. We're in group together. And as a group of believers, we're partnering and saying, yeah, that's what I'm doing. And I'm doing it with this group. I want to honor Jesus Christ with my life. So take a moment, if you've got one of those cards, if, you, if that's your passion, your desire, fill it out, uh, pass it in at the end. You can pray over it if you want to do that. But it's a practical walkout of what we've been talking about this morning. Living a life for Jesus Christ. 
Father, would you grant us the courage to say yes to you? And as this author of Hebrews has said, hold on to the truth of the faith faith that you have in Jesus Christ. And don't just hold on, but run toward Jesus. Keep going. Grant us an ability to do that. Help us not to get distracted and discouraged in how we're living our life but to look to Jesus. And thank you so much for the access that we have to the Father because of what Christ has done for us. In your name we pray. Amen.